Welcome back to another episode of Option 5. My name is George Brooks, and today Daniel Linhart and I got a chance to talk to Braden Shear. He's the he is a product manager at SmartRent, and SmartRent is uh, focused on building connected communities in multifamily space. Oh, man, the conversation with Braden was uh, fantastic. <laughs> he literally joined us in an Airbnb in Phoenix that uh, with a couple random people that he had never met, and so he took the risk to come out and record with us, and it was such a blast to get to talk talk to him about uh, SmartRent, about his role, and um, how they think about building their products. One of the themes that I saw kind of rise out of our conversation was how they think about building teams around experiences. So their their platform has grown, so they have multiple product teams, and instead of thinking about maybe about siloing those teams in certain different ways, um, they really focus around the experience um, of the, the customer and how to put, put product teams around each of those experience, maybe in the funnel or in the process of them coming through working with SmartRent. Um, I loved another thing he talked about. I've heard this before, but um, it just rang true. The minimum viable experiment. So I know you've all heard of minimum viable product, um, but I love that they try to get down to maybe even more of a, um, a microscopic or a, uh, more of a a small way of looking at the experiment itself and how do you do minimum viable experiments to test your ideas and validate the direction you're going. Uh, as we all know, it's really hard to, to figure out which way is the right way, and that's a great way to, to validate the direction when you've got a, a large platform. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation we have with Brayden, so let's go ahead and jump in. Cool. Well, thank you again for, for hanging out with us and joining us at the house. Thanks for having me. The random house that we asked you to show up to that could have gone worse. It could have definitely gone worse. I thought I was going to a drop or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is your wife like, uh, you're going You're where? going where? Uh-huh. And I showed her what part of town, and she's like, that's okay. You're fine. <laughs> it's up and coming. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. So I'm going to meet these two guys I don't know right. at an Airbnb. I talked to a lady to. I didn't know, and she said somewhere in Phoenix. But she didn't say West Phoenix, so we said it's probably okay. Gotcha. <laughs> those, those are parameters. That's awesome. Um, well, I kind of wanted you to kick it off a little bit. Tell us um, about who you are and kind of maybe where you're at now, but kind of how you got into this world of product and just sure. kind of give us a little backstory. So my name is Braden Shear. I'm a product manager at SmartRent. We're all about building connected communities in the multifamily space. Mm -hmm. Really excited to be a part of the team there. And as I was talking to you guys earlier, I fell backwards, I think, into product. I started as more of a project manager in painting and restoration in the San Francisco Bay Area Ooh. with a small group of guys. Um, on my knees, standing doors for about two years and then made my way out here to Arizona for school. Got into software right away um, with the self-storage industry. We were building a, a software project there. And then we went into electric skateboards and then we went into tours for higher ed. And then we went into GIS solutions for consulting contracts. And then I found myself in real estate products, software, and now here I am in the multifamily space. And it's been this whirlwind experience mm -hmm. where I started out not knowing what project management was. Yeah. I learned sophomore year from a, from a class I actually took. And I had some really great professors that really taught me the ins and outs of how to do project management, which got me the foundation to product. Because I think product involves a lot of project management, Absolutely. along with a lot of other aspects, for sure. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a little bit about myself. I think going into the initial two-year foray, it was a lot of... Well, we need to provide this solution to our users. Let's not ask them. Like, we know what the bright idea oh, is. Oh, we all know. We are, we are their experts. Yeah. We're the experts. We know what so they want. Let's yeah. spend all of our time and all of our money building this thing, and then we built it. 
why aren't they using it? What's right. going on? Like, there's a problem with them. You're the only one that's ever us. experienced that, right. by the way. No, oh, other, yeah. no other company's ever been through yeah. that. So the whole idea of if you build it, they will come is not true. No, it's, okay. it's not true. Right, and it took you. us Just going clarifying. to yeah. Barcelona and China to figure mm-hmm. that out with yeah. this project, right? And uh, two years of our lives. But we learned through that experience to celebrate failure. Uh, we learned through that experience to iterate and validate. And that's why I think some of the strong strengths going into product that carried me through it. So in describing your journey, you kind of set project management and product management, though associated a little bit, not against each other, but beside each other. Yeah. For our listeners, what do you see as the difference and how did you grow into from a project manager to a product manager? Mm, that's a really good question. So my foundation in project management really got solidified when I was working on the electric skateboard project because it was all about what's the business value we're delivering on. You, know, you have your user consideration, but it's more focused on timelines, on cost. It's really operationalized. And in product, you still have the operationalized aspect, but it's a bit more than just let's build this cool, shiny feature because we should build it. Yeah. But the question is, should we build this cool, shiny feature? What's really the problem? You know, Can we identify what the problem is for our, our end user, for the business, for the client? And then can we build a solution around that? and then get a, a vision in place. And that's, right. that's one thing I learned when I was a project manager is like, how do, you, how do you take this vision and execute on it? But with product, it's like, okay, you can take the vision, plan for the execution, and then stop and say, okay, but should we execute? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then should we break this out even in phases? And then in this first phase, should it, and I really love this idea of a minimum viable experiment, right? And not just a minimum viable product, like but like well, MVE, yeah, that's an MVE. That's new terminology for yeah, me. I like I'm not going to claim the copyright to that. There's a lot of material <laughs> yeah, out there for that. There's been a few. Of, there's a lot of MVE. Pick your rest of the alphabet, right? But some great inspiration is Google X. Yeah. You know, they yeah. love doing moonshots, and that's something that I really love um, in product today. Is like you can come up with an initiative and a module you want to build, and let's say we want to create a touring um, software for apartment home communities, so prospects can go and view. Uh, tours and, and have these this great experience around it, but instead of just executing that end all be all vision of having automated tours with all these bright and shiny features, well, let's just incrementally take a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Can we enhance the experience today, and then take our hands off and get some validation? Yeah, that's great. Get the assumptions around it validated yeah. first. You know, that's that's I think probably the biggest distinction is project. A lot of your assumptions um, need to be validated, but I didn't find myself in a, in a position where I was validating them as quite as often as I do in product because I'm having a lot more user interaction. Yeah, and you might not be empowered to have that type of influence to be right, able to sure. kind of ask those questions. So that actually gets into some of the things we want to talk about in season two, which is really a, around um, product teams in general. Um, mm-hmm. So how are they structured? How do they work? How do the different roles operate inside of a product team? So maybe in your experience, talk a little bit about kind of what did your what have your teams look like over the different projects or where even where you're at now at SmartRent? Mm, that's really good. Um, when I was with Elm Street Technology, I was on a really small team with just myself and my direct superior. Um, she was a product manager, she's now the vice president of product. Really great team, just the two of us going into the trenches together, building a, a real estate software product. But um, we took a lot of initiatives on ourselves head on, right? And it's different with SmartRent because we actually have a, a really good team built around the entire company and it's built around experiences more so than here's, this, here's all of the software in the company, own all of it. Mm-hmm. It's more of let's own an experience. Can we get some of the experience um, and the features in that experience right for our users? So we have one product manager that will be for the residents and apartment home communities. Oh, cool. 
we have one product manager, which is myself, over all of the property management software for the operators of these communities. Mm. And then we have another product manager who does all of the integrations to make this possible for the communities and the residents, right? And then we have other individuals on the team that do more of the high level between operators, residents, and field installers. Yeah. So it really brings the whole ecosystem together so we're moving to one unified front. So as a product manager of an experience, just to clarify in my own mind, you're, it's as much figuring out what to build, but as much a lot of empathy. It sounds like you're yep. putting yourselves in the shoes of the individual that is going through that experience yep. to understand that experience. What's their day to day? How is the software going to help them? What are their challenges? And then using that as a framework to help define what you're going to build. Is, Absolutely. That, okay. Absolutely. Interesting. That's right. Yeah. It's a unique approach, but I think it it's, is it's a had a lot approach. of success for us so far because we get a lot of good opportunities to talk to leasing agents, to talk to property managers, yeah. to talk to these organizational administrators yeah. on my side. And then you talk to your residents, you talk to your field installers, and now you have this really crazy cool system of feedback that's coming at you. And if you're just 1 p.m. for all of it, it's, it can be really challenging it's, to it's handle all much. of that. Yeah, it's yeah. too much, right? It's just information overload at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah. Um, but only one perspective of it, of the larger effort as a business, really dials you in. Do you, when was that um, structure created? Like, do you know, like back in Smart Rent, how that decision was made? Because that's interesting. It was we about could... May and April. We've been growing really fast. So oh, wow. Is, so this, this is, is recent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how old is Smart Rent? Huh. Um, well, we're about, old? I believe we're about two years old now, yeah. but we're really growing through uh, unprecedented growth right now. That's awesome. Um, I think this time last year, we had a, a little over a thousand units that we were installed into. We just crossed the line of 40,000. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's a great, great place to be, uh, albeit a little yeah. uh, daunting, right? I mean, that's a lot For to sure. be able to kind of actually deliver on. So go back. So you talked a little bit about there's these multiple product managers and they kind of represent each of these. But what does each team look like? So you're product managing what you've got. What does your team look like that you're working with on a kind of day-to-day mm-hmm. basis? Then there's, so the, the things that I want to break down is there's your team that is executing on the piece or the experience, as you called it. I love right. that, um, uh, that you're focused on. What does your team look like? What's it made up of? What roles? How many people? What sizes is that team? And then, of course, then the other teams have probably some similar type of structure. Um, and then what I want to jump to after that is, is how do those teams communicate? Mm. So there's kind of the, how do you work inside your team? And then how do those teams collaborate across? Because I think yeah. that's something a lot of companies struggle sure. with. So where we're at today is for the resident experience, right? That is mainly in mobile software. Most yeah. residents are using their phones, although we do have web software for that as well. And there's a team of um, developers that work on that software. Yeah. And then the product manager over that experience works directly with them on new features, on bugs, this normal SDLC processes, yep. Yep. right? Um, but it will champion with myself on what needs maybe there are with, hey, we need this sort of data from the property side going in, and what are the bigger initiatives on the property side that could impact the residents. So there's a lot of back and forth between the product managers of these experiences uh-huh. on an initiative level. If we're, we know there's an initiative we're going to undergo, we can easily diagnose if it's who it's going to impact. And then from that impact level, then that product person is going to go back to their team. For example, resident will have their own mobile team to work mm-hmm, with. Mm-hmm. Um, on the property management side, there is a larger team and there's a lot of different aspects it touches. Um, there's a mobile piece of it, there's a web piece of it. And so what I'll do is I'll work with the technical leaders in those teams okay. on the initiative levels and implementing those initiatives. 
and planning out what it looks like. Because um, the way we're structured today is our property management software is kind of the, the central software yep, got for it. all of our subsidiary hub and, hub software. Hub and spoke, kind of, yeah. Yep, it. hub and spoke. And so what we do is we'll plan the hub and spoke part of that and see how it impacts out to everybody else and make sure that we're all in a good cadence together. Are your teams local or are you using? And it, you can share as much as you want to share. Sure. We'll, we'll, we'll be sure. careful with that because I, I don't want to give away any secret sauce or anything that maybe is, is special to what you guys are doing. But are your teams local? Are you using international resources? Like, what do the technical teams look like? How are they set up? So, the technical teams are local and distributed. So, we have people that are across the, all of the US because we also do software and hardware and smart, oh, yeah. right? We're providing smart IoT devices in the apartment home communities. And yeah. so it is a distributed team. Yeah. Um, Slack is our friend and our yeah, enemy right. at times, yeah. right? You have to <laughs> Both a distraction and a, yeah, I get it. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But that's how so we do a lot of things in a, in a cooperative fashion and distributed team environment. Are designers involved at all? Do you guys have designers? Oh, for there? sure. Okay, cool. For sure. You know, so I can talk a little bit about the product planning process, and yeah, that's been really cool to see how that has yeah, evolved. Yeah, that a little bit. In. Like, is it a assembly line or is it mm -hmm. a complete collaboration? Yeah, how, how is that structured? So how we do it today, and what's really awesome about being a part of the smart organization is it's just so iterative. It's like, look, let's, this is our process today. Yeah. But You're refining always, your, yourself. Exactly. Like we're always asking ourselves, is this process working for us, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so recently we went from a traditional scrum process to more of a Kanban process for okay. our development, yeah. for my experience. And in that, we canceled all of our stand-up like stand meetings, our ceremonies, all, right. all that good stuff. Okay. We have this beautiful Alice, who's our stand-up bot, actually, that we're oh, working yeah. with right now um, in Slack. And then what we do is this weekly story time with the engineers. So yeah. I will walk through with the engineers what are the new epic-level initiatives we're taking from the product perspective. And then a technical leader will go through and talk about more of the minor bugs or tweaks or back-end-related pieces we're working on. Um, but before something gets to story time, what we do is we'll sit down with our technical leaders after we've planned something out that covers the user need mm. and the business need. And I'll sit down with the technical leader and say, okay, this is why we're doing something. This is what we want to accomplish. And let's work together on determining how we get there. And then we get approvals on these stories, yeah, on these initiatives. Good. And part so you're of that getting buy-in. Yeah, that's great. A hundred percent. You have to get buy-in from your technical people and from your designers too. So part of that buy-in process is, well, let's get screens made. Let's get a prototype made. Yeah, let's get buy-in from even the leadership where we need to or from our clients. And that's something we do a lot too, especially with a bigger initiative like Tour as well. Let's go show this to some of our clients. Let's get their feedback, their insight on this. And after we get all this collective buy-in as a product person, then we go to more of a planning meeting where we say, okay, let's get approvals from everybody. Once we get the approvals, we'll update our stories for the engineers. And there's one last stamp you put on it and it's story time and everybody sits together in a conference room and we read through our stories and then we continue on with our process. I love that. Where is the collaboration? You mentioned hardware as well. Yeah. Where does hardware fit in that? Because we've also had experience integrating software and hardware and a lot of integrations but also quite a bit of differences as well as far as the management mm -hmm. process and the speed mm -hmm. of iteration. So where does yeah their iterative cycles are different than yeah ours. so how do right. you you mentioned you have hardware how do those teams interact with your teams do you have to modify your processes have you found something that works really well so we the, on the hardware perspective and the technology teams is really how we look at hardware is just okay. technology as a whole because you deal with new hardware solutions because there's always especially in the smart technology space always bright and shiny things are coming out that we want to support but there's also the old things that you want to support new firmware updates on and everything like that 
And that just lives in our current Kanban process that we have today. Okay. Cool. And so part of the normal approvals and everything, we will approve firmware related tickets. Um, and we do, we do a release cycle that's independent of our development cycle. And so it's up to our technology and technical leaders to decide what's in a release or not. Yep. And they can make that coordination between themselves. Brilliant. Hmm. Well, I think what's really exciting, so I don't know if you're experienced with previous companies, but there, what I, what I tend to, what we have tend to see is that startups have this ability to kind of say, you know what, we don't know how not to do it, so mm -hmm. we're going to create the, our, the best process that we can create for ourselves. And we've kind of done that when we built Crema sure. and kind of the way that we iteratively grew through us figuring ourselves out as well. And it becomes a lot more difficult the larger the organization becomes, right? Because you have structures that are in place and there's a lot more change that has to happen. So it sounds like you guys are scaling right now. Yeah. And as you scale and you bring on more people, your processes have to tweak and have to, to and sometimes they have to just kind of be ironed in and you're gonna go, well, this is the way we do it. And to change that, it's gonna be harder now. Right. Um, I think what's inspiring about what you're talking about, and I'm trying to find a question here, we'll get to it. I think what I was trying to get at is, do you, what do you think that will look like as your company scales? As you have to get into, or as the company scales, you're gonna to have to get into this phase where certain things will have to be locked in and it's, it becomes more difficult to iterate on the process. Mm -hmm. um, do, you, do you foresee the challenges of those things coming down the pike sure. as the company grows? Yeah, I do. And I, th I think a big piece of it is, you know, as you, as you grow larger, you have more clients, you have more people that are involved in the organization. There's really a compliance aspect to it that you need to, that you need to um, always adhere to. I think there's opportunity for small iterative process changes, but when you think it's something a bigger picture of, well, how does something make it into production? Mm -hmm. You know, where was the buy-in at? That's just, that's something as an organization, I think any, any company that's going through scale has to have an answer for, and that's one reason why we're doing our, our process improvements today, right? To say that we've had, we, we have a really good idea up until this point, in the last two years, how we've delivered our solutions to the market. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna continue to do so as we grow, but when you get more people involved, you know, that's what's great about having a process where you have approvals. Like, mm -hmm. hey, this is a really great artifact for us to go back to and say, this is what we were all talking about. Yeah. This is the buy-in that everybody had at the time, and this is how we made it to production. And then you can measure success or failure off of a, yeah. off of a feature, and it's really great evidence for iteration at that point, yeah. even on a feature software level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I absolutely see some processes we have being cemented, and I think in that there's always gonna be flexibility and, uh, and some fluidity between how teams work together and how mm -hmm. you know designs get updated and tweaked. But I think from a bigger organization perspective of how you allocate resources, mm -hmm. I think that probably gets cemented as you grow. Yeah, what we've found, um, and this is not prescriptive, but more descriptive of our experience and just some um, just counterparts and other you know uh, business professionals that we have a relationship with is that as you develop or as you work with inside your team as your organization grows mm -hmm. culture evolves over time um, yes. new um, you know just artifacts and value your values may stay the same but the way they express themselves change and so um, especially working with larger organizations of uh, they may have a small team um, and you hear a lot of things aren't the same anymore or things are different now yeah. or we used to do it this way and there's a there's benefit to like being nostalgic of like because you can kind of learn from that yeah. but be I think a team particularly a product team has to be willing to to change process be flexible on things especially yeah. as the organization grows because it's really hard when a team is trying to operate in a completely different way than the overall company is because mm -hmm. that's where conflict and challenge comes yeah 
I think the way that I look at it is the product team should always be in sync with where the leadership is at in the business, right? First and foremost, we should be in sync with what goals they have, what are the drivers for them, how, do, how are we driving value to all the people impacted by this, right. by this operation. Um, and then from there, you can't just take a stance where you just put a fist on the table and say, well, this is how we do things because our success or our failure really depends on whether or not we get buy-in and we work with our other team members outside of just the product team alone. Like, yeah, right. We need to get the buy-in from our customer support team. We need to get buy-in from engineering and technology. And, yep. um, and they have their own processes, and those processes are going to change too. And so that, to your point, that's, that's why we have to be flexible as long as the core driver is where, where's the leadership at in this organization and where are their minds yeah. at. I think that's really interesting because in season one, we talked about just a product team. If you were to put them around a table, each one has a different perspective and a you know gifting and skill set that they're going to bring to solve a problem. Mm-hmm. What you just said is now you've got multiple product teams that are right. trying to communicate back and forth. And or so, even not even product teams. Maybe it's the marketing or sales or sales right. team. You know, and so putting that stake in the ground as a product team, that's like similar to where if some, an individual on a product team puts a stake in the ground, that can make things difficult in the team. I can only imagine if you just, you know, multiply that by two, four, six, yeah. and now you, you have found your problem. You do. That That's yeah. really insightful. And I think it comes back to a culture. I mean, right. Yeah. That one of our, what, one of the things that we believe is that product teams, the, these processes and ceremonies and things that we all love to talk about, agile, scrum, lean, whatever, are really about a culture, right? It's about how people work together. And it sounds like, you know, SmartRent has done a really great job of creating and fostering a culture where they want to build great product. They, they value the users. They value the team that's working on it. Um, how do you think, from a leadership perspective, how do you think that that is distributed? Or, and that, for us, it might be through values or through mission vision statements or through normal culture exercises. How do you think that's distributed through SmartRent or through the teams that you have? that empower you to talk yeah. like you're talking, which is not normal. I don't know if yeah. you know this. This is like, I think a lot of teams don't think as intentionally as what you're, what you're mm-hmm. saying. Um, and I think this is a lot of people can learn from that. Well, that's, that's cool to hear because from my perspective, this seems normal, yeah. right? Um, in a way, like I, I've worked with big high ed education service companies like Grand Canyon, which they have a lot of great things that they do well at. And they have a lot of things that really slow them down, which is the bureaucracy, right? Mm-hmm. And that can kill a lot of the smaller teams trying to innovate yeah. in those sort of organizations. Um, but going back to your question around smart rent, I think it gets set, the tone for everybody gets set at the top. And I think that happens at any organization. But I think where we benefit is our leadership outside of just even the consideration that they've been in this space before. They've done similar initiatives. And so they have a really wealth of experience. They're really um, tuned in to what they're trying to accomplish. But between that, they also have a really good idea on an organizational level since they've been doing this for the last two years of exactly, hey, this is, we know exactly where we're going. Like this vision is crystal clear mm. to everybody. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's really no doubt at SmartRen as to what we're accomplishing here, right? At any given point, we know what we're doing. We're just, we're focused on it like a laser. We're gonna run at it. And then between the team, we, we've been a really small organization up until recently, and we're growing. You know, I think we're at a point now where we just went over 100 employees. Wow. Up until that point, we were, we were much smaller than that. Sure. So it's a really tight-knit community 
in the organization yeah. today. Yeah. And we do things like go go kart racing, and we'll have like just I, I walked in the office today, and there were awesome. there were donuts in the office. It was See, great. We, about we do that. do donuts, but we've never done go karts. Donuts is dangerous though. Go karts is probably better because I'm <laughs> trying to watch my weight. So. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you just said donuts are dangerous. Donuts go are more dangerous are than yeah. go karts. Yeah. I'll tell my kids that. Um, <laughs> what are some of the challenges that you think um, you're you're facing right now, or some of the things that uh, you hope that you can improve on um, as the way you work as a team or maybe the, again the way teams work across the organization I think for for me it's challenged on a personal level with this um, something I think I've seen other product leaders you know work through themselves which is just this imposter syndrome mm-hmm. that can really just beleaguer you as you're trying to um, especially being in a scaling organization you're trying to accomplish a lot of these large goals yeah you sit there and you're wow you look at the scale of maybe a, a certain initiative that you're working on you're like wow that's there's a lot of stuff going into this there's a lot of really cool stuff that could come out of this right but like if i sink this that's <laughs> gonna all? be really bad yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and so then you're like wow like am i supposed to be the guy to do this um yeah. and then you can instantly start to fall into yourself because you look at other product leaders you know in different organizations you're like wow i wish I, like i had maybe a piece of what of what they have because they have this prowess that probably makes it a lot easier mm-hmm. for them to just be so successful at what yeah. they're doing with their initiatives. That's yeah. um, a constant challenge. You wake up every day and you think, okay, like I, I think my expertise is probably more in project management as it is mm. anything technical. You know, I, I can do well empathizing with people, empathizing with goals, and then trying to drive plans to get there. Um, and then on the technical piece, it's the wild, wild west, right? I'm, I'm trying to teach myself more of that aspect. Yeah, right. You know, but you have to you have to wake up and say, okay, it's okay to have deficiencies. Like you can't be everything to everybody. That's right. Um, and really I think good. that's one of the challenges that like I have been faced with in SmartRend is like we have this tremendous growth as an organization. We're achieving a lot of great things, and we have a lot of things ahead of us that we want to achieve. Um, so how do I get out of my own way mm-hmm. in that? And then when you see other people on your team, not even on the product team, in the engineering teams or wherever else in the organization. You can, you can see symptoms of, wow, there's all this scale happening. How do, how do you get them out of their own way mm-hmm. of tripping themselves up on accomplishing things? I thought what you said there was well worth remembering. Uh, it's okay to have deficiencies. Um, you can't be all things to all people. That, that was really good. Um, I think because regardless of what role you serve on a product team, product manager, designer, developer, test engineer, I think that can be something that creeps up of... Yeah, of just wanting to. Oh, I wish I had. Oh, I wish I would have said mm-hmm. that, or yeah. I wish I would have thought that. But I think the beauty of when you see that is like that's what everyone brings to the table. Exactly. And so that idea of even celebration. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That comes back to what we talked about before. We're in the business of people. We just happen to be building technology, right? Or exactly. designing uh, solutions for people. And I think that what you're talking about is, I want to give you some props because I think that goes a long way to say how you have this posture of humble confidence, right? Which is something we talk a lot about, makes really effective people on a technology team, which is to say, I'm not gonna be arrogant to think that I've got it all figured out. I've got a lot to learn. I'm excited to learn. Yeah. I'm excited that I'm in a place that, that values me learning and being better. Exactly. Um, and if I, I think I find the people that have imposter syndrome and actually know it and are aware of it are usually more grounded to say, Right, like we're all trying to figure this out, and nobody's nobody's a hundred percent an expert, but we're all learning it together. Yeah. Um, so that's a good attitude to have. But, and it also goes back to this conversation around culture as an yeah. organization. You know, as you scale, you think about these large corporations. Like it's a culture where, like, 
you know, your quota and your performance is really what drives a line. Um, I think what we have is this really awesome camaraderie between all the different teams. And you can say, look, this is the user story that we've created for this initiative. And I'll say it with more confidence when the head, I say it like that internally, because I'm like, this is what I'm trying to deliver, yeah, right. but I don't know what's technically feasible. Yeah, yeah. And we'll push it out in a planning meeting with our leaders across the aisle, as it were, right? Yeah. And they'll, they'll look and, and they can understand where the deficiency on my side might be. I don't know if there needs to be new data structures set yeah. up to establish yeah. this or new API endpoints or things How like that. How might we actually get that done, right? But they can do that. And then, and then on the same t- flip side of that, they can ask, well, why is this, what's the use case here? What is this really addressing for our users? No, you know, and it's never a question of like, well, why should I do this? It's more of like, look, help me understand why we are doing this so I can yeah. partner with you for a better solution yeah. than what we have right now. And I think that's part of also, like, you have to have an environment where you, you're okay and you celebrate failure. Like, it's, a, hey, yeah. I will spend 40 minutes making your user story and then be okay with it being blown up and yeah, right. the rings. Yeah, to your, get to your a identity place. is not wrapped up in this yeah. thing that you wrote. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. It's really good. I think the, um, I, I'm excited. Man, that sounds like a really strong culture. That's really exciting because from top down, and then it sounds like even as you guys are scaling, you're retaining that culture. You're keeping that aligned that this is how SmartRain is going to work. We're going to think this way. Um, you know, join our journey with us. Mm-hmm. Follow this vision that our leaders have. And oh, by the way, you're going to see very quickly we work really well together. Um, I, I hope that that continues to happen as you guys mm-hmm. scale. That's that's awesome. Yeah. What um, would be two or three takeaways for those that that listen to this wonderful conversation that they're about to join a product team? So you fulfill the product manager role, but there's multiple roles on that team. Mm-hmm. So for anyone to be successful as a member at the table of a product team, what would be one or two things that you mm-hmm. would say, what, what, what advice would you give them? So I started within the product space, really, really doubting myself, going back to that imposter syndrome. The first piece of advice that I think I would give to anybody who wants to get into product is be okay with who you are and bet on your strengths. Don't focus all the time on your Weaknesses. Not to say that you shouldn't improve your weaknesses, but yeah. you know, I think it's I think it's a mistake to say, let me just spend all my time being better at what I suck at instead of like let me double down on what I'm good at. Yeah. And that's that's a really strong value add to a lot of teams because you again you can't be everything to everybody, right? And so if you can say, look, I am really, really proficient in this one thing, yeah. well that might be the one thing that your your product organization yeah. needs. Yeah. yeah. They don't need you to be the technical person. They right. need you to be the person who can champion that end right. user and really get what the value add needs to be for that person. Yeah. That's one, I think that's one piece of advice. I think the other piece of advice is um, never be too arrogant, never be too hubris filled when you're going into any conversation with anybody. Mm. Um, Because here's the thing, there's always gonna be somebody else who's been doing it longer, who has more intellect or more talent or, or better in something, right? You just, that's just the way that life goes. And, I think for anybody coming into a product role, if you can just understand that success is not contingent on being the best at something, success is contingent on getting everybody bought into what you're trying to deliver and make sure that you guys are doing the best solution possible mm. for that goal, yeah. right? That's, that's in my experience, the most success I've ever had, was to say, look, engineer one, you're brilliant in React. Okay, can't, React is like Klingon to me, but this is what I know. So, our, our VP of engineering over there is going, well, I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, and, 
you know, um, that's okay. I don't need to be proficient in React. Right? Yeah. I can sit down and, and that engineer is like, look, let's get that solution down. How yeah. do we get this into the market to really solve a problem? Mm-hmm. Man, good stuff. Uh, I, this has been an awesome conversation. I, I guess one, one last thing I want to ask is, sounds like you are very intentional about thinking about this and want to be an incredible product manager. Where do you go, where do you go to for inspiration? Where do you go mm-hmm. to find how to be better at this, this career, this job? Uh, we always like to say, like, we're all learning. We're all yeah. picking up things. Is there something you're reading? Is there a podcast you listen to? Is there, you know, um, a source that you say, this is one of my favorite go-tos? Just, again, for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, this might be really bizarre, but um, Slack communities, actually. Yeah, I, I'm good. a part of a couple of different Slack communities. I'm yep. a part of Product Leaders by Product Board. That's yep. So we use them for our own organization. But that community alone is, is just super awesome. Um, product School and Mind the Product. Yep. Mind the Product, Product School, and Product Leaders are those communities I'm a part of. And I've been able to build relationships with individuals in those communities, get the advice on certain issues. Um, and also just see people grow in those communities yeah. from one journey to another and see them confront their own challenges. And that's just super awesome for me, being somebody who deals with that imposter syndrome sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to see other people be open about it and be like, look, this is the challenges I'm facing and here's how we can work as a larger community to, yeah. to grow, right? And so Slack communities. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> We've, I think several of our product managers are also in similar communities. Yep. Um, and then our developers have Slack communities, our designers have Slack communities. That's a great resource, that's a good idea. Um, any other questions, no, any other thoughts? Braden, thank you. This yeah. has been fantastic. Thank you, guys. I have been absolutely enriched by this conversation today, without question. Completely agree. Thanks for joining us. And Thank uh, you for having me. Wow. So Braden is obviously a super smart guy, knows what he's talking about when it comes to product. Even though he hasn't been in the industry for a long time, he is just soaking himself and thinking about this. Um, like I said um, before, I loved his his team's way of thinking about really building multiple product teams around experiences, really focus, focusing on the end user, um, doing those minimum viable experiments to, to make better products. A smart run sounds like they are headed in definitely the right direction and have built a culture that supports that. So definitely some inspiration to take back to your teams um, as you're building your products. As always, I, I really appreciate you listening to this podcast. We put a lot of love into this. And, um, uh, you know, if you really want to support us, subscribe to our podcast for sure. But also leave us a, um, a review. That five-star review and a comment there really goes a long way to tell the world that we exist. So um, I really appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, as well, go ahead and share this with your friends, your family, your bosses, your coworkers, your team, and uh, tell them that the um, Option 5 is really a podcast about building incredible products, incredible product cultures, incredible product teams and processes, and really less about maybe the founder story and more about the people that are on the front lines doing the hard work to build the products we all uh, know and love. So uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen and we'll see you guys next time.